Matt Stepp, you're coming to us from a mall in Canada. Is this the most exotic episode of Tep and Step yet? Yeah, I think it's it's more exotic than Corpus Christi or El Paso because it's another country. Tep and Step. Your premium Texas high school football podcast from your friends, your amigos, your, uh, oh golly, your, your, uh, your, uh, although that's not French Canada. I was going to say, uh, vos amis, uh, okay. but, uh, I guess we're they don't speak. We're yeah, they don't Canada. Speak, yeah, but they don't speak French in Toronto though, do they? Uh, very little. You gotta go, you gotta go to Ottawa for more French. I was going to say, I got French yeah. Canada. At Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com, I'm the Tep Greg Tepper. And I'm your international traveler, Matt Stepp. Thank you for being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider and joining us on uh, Matt Stepp's tour of Canada's malls. Um, here as we, uh, uh, we're going to do, we're going to do a new episode from a different mall in Canada every week. That's right. Uh, I think that's, that's the right. new th- the new theme of this podcast. Yes, that's what we're going to do. We're going to be a Texas high school football podcast that broadcasts from malls in Canada because why not? What a, what a time. Yeah. What a time. This is your week 8 preview. 8 preview. I cannot believe um, week 8. Yeah, it's it's this is this is decided so there's always a time, and I think we've had this conversation before. So there's the first, I think there's the first like two weeks, really first three weeks. And then there is this like the big middle. And for me, the big middle is about weeks four through seven. Yeah. Uh, where it's like, okay, we're, we're into the thick of the season. They're game, really good games every week, but it's like they just kind of all run together a little bit. We're trudging like, through we have now, weeks, you know, just kind yeah. of powering through, you know, yeah. We have now reached the like we've reached the point where it's like okay no like we're in the we're in the thick of it it's like it's real it's happening guys you know what my marker is is around this time of year every year I start doing playoff projections when I start doing playoff um, projections that's when I know okay it's 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 getting real up in here it's, and, and playoff projections are coming yes they yes, certainly they are, they are. and. And in our uh, in our week seven cleanup, we'll probably get to um, a little bit of of that. Uh, but so we'll have our week seven cleanup, and of course we'll have our week eight draft coming up here at the, uh, in in just a little bit. But first, Matthew, we will start as we always do with your Texas high school football fun fact of the week. Texas high school football fun fact of the week, Matthew. I love is, it. I'm not even going to ask you I'm not even going to ask you to name the school. I'm going to ask you to name the region cuz this okay. is a tough question. Okay. M- Matt Stepp, UIL 11 man players. This year which region has produced the most single game receptions, the most single game catches in one game? So you're talking region like like Class four A division two. No, 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 no. I mean, I mean, I mean, region of the state. I mean, Texas, okay, like you know, we, we, geographic region. Okay. Um, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say the Permian Basin. <laughs> that is an excellent guess, but you know, when I tell you that it's an excellent guess, that means that you're yeah, you're wrong. Them wrong. No, 
uh, Matthew, let's go out to El Paso and talk about El Paso Eastwood wide receiver Curtis Murillo, who against uh, El Paso Franklin, make sure I get this right, young man. Where are you, Curtis Murillo? He hauled in a grand total of, make sure I get this right, it was 16 catches. Yeah. Uh, I want to make sure I get all of his numbers, though, because that's, that that's the out. fun part. That, well, yeah. that, that checks out because El Paso Eastwood, uh, they like to sling it around a little bit. They, they will, they, they'll, they'll toss it around a bit. Let's see. The final, the final numbers for him, um, he had – oh, no, I can't find it. Um, oh, that's because that's 2020, you dumb dumb. Why am I looking no. at 2020? Oh, oh this is bad. Oh, oh no. is, this, is this is this bad? This oh, here bad. we go. I found it. Okay, good. Okay, okay, I got it. Fifty the, a 55-47 loss to El Paso Franklin. The, uh, Curtis Murillo hauls in 16 catches for 190 yards, and uh, here's the amazing part: zero touchdowns. Yeah, it sounds like they're throwing him How- a lot of a lot of hitches, a lot a lot of short stuff. That is that six, is West that's West Welker stuff right there. Yeah, because when you catch sixteen a, passes, you're thinking you're going to be you know 200, 280, 290 yards, three touchdowns, and he a lot a lot of short, almost an extension of the running game probably for El Paso East, which right. is which is which checks out because they use the passing game as as a you know as the running game in a lot of a lot of situations. Yeah, they yeah they but you know it's, it it basically gets the job done of uh, of of keeping the keeping the defense honest in the same way that the running game goes. But yeah, Super like for example, they did. Um, but like, for example, you go back to, so the guy who led the, um, who has the States uh, or is that right? Yeah. So the guy who has the, uh, the, the most receiving yards in a game is Devin Matthews, Devin Matthews from Seguin. He had 345 yards and four touchdowns receiving on only eight catches, half the number yeah. of catches. It was all big plays, yeah. So, and that was very recently, exactly. wasn't it? That wasn't that long ago when he did that, was it? That was, uh, yeah, that was on October first. So that was that was just two weeks ago. No, no so, I mean, I mean Devin, Devin anyway, Matthews, anyway. The, the Devin Matthews game. That was that wasn't. That oh yeah, long that's ago. what I'm talking about. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was October first. Yeah. yeah. So there it is, your Texas high school football fun fact of the week. Uh, Curtis Murillo there at El Paso Eastwood with his 16 receptions. All right, yeah. Matthew, let's get into some week seven cleanup. And I suppose the best way to do this is probably to go through our draft and what the games we took last week, sure. uh, since those were the biggest games, of course. Yeah, of course. Uh, you took you took Stephenville Vega. Yeah, um, and that did not go the way I expected. How'd that go? Man, you talk about a statement by the Stephenville Yellow Jackets. That was that was impressive. I think La Vega is still a really good team, and Stephenville walked into Belmead and smacked the Pirates around. No two ways about it. Reese Young, what a game. 25 tackles for Reese Young. The dude was all over the place. And Stephenville, I, I seriously thought about moving Stephenville up to number one this week. It, it, there was some consideration this week. I, yeah. I, I was like, I was going to say, Tepper, we need to put Stephenville one. I kept I, I kept them two in my poll, and I think that's what we ended up going with as a group. But I was really, I thought about pushing hard for Stephenville. That, that, was, that was as impressive a win as you'll see this year. Well, and for a team that like we 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 knew they were pretty good, like we we knew that they had something cooking, but we didn't necessarily like this was the real measuring stick of like okay, this is going to be tell us exactly where they stack up in four division one. Well, now we know exactly where they stack up, which is I mean 
I I thought I thought for you know yes, scoring thirty five points on um, on La Vega is very impressive. Um, the the defense is what stands out to me that they were able to shut down a team that just flat out tries to body people, and and it was I was you're exactly right. The word is statement. I mean that was yeah. them saying. Um, we need to be considered the favorite to come out of at least the left side of the bracket in four yeah. division one. That's what and that said. That, that region two and four division one is shaping up to be just a fireworks factory. It's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, you're going to get you're going to get great matchups and like and because of because there's a couple of really stacked districts, um, you're going to get some really big matchups in like round two. Yeah, and it's going to be great. Um, you took Brennan and Taft. Um, Brennan continues to chug along. Uh, give credit to Taft. They certainly had stomach for the fight. Yes, the Taft um, early on. I mean, that, that game was that was a nip and tuck game for most of the first half. I think Brennan kind of pulled away in the second half. But I mean, you know, that's that's two undefeated teams playing. I, I, I did not expect Brennan to come out there and beat, beat Taft 49. Taft's a good team. They went to the third round yeah. of the playoffs last year. It's a solid program. So good win for Brennan. Uh, but I think they established themselves as the clear number one team in, in 29-6A. You took Amarillo and Tascosa. Are we? Did you get what you needed to out of Tascosa? Did you see what you needed to? Yeah, I, I think Tascosa is a team to beat. I mean, they 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 a, a solid win over Amarillo. I mean, they they didn't blow Amarillo away, but I, no one expected them to blow Amarillo away. That's a rivalry game, and Amarillo knows how to play Tascosa well. Um, but I thought it was it was a, a convincing enough win for me. I mean, in that in that rivalry game. Uh, to win by double digits, I, I, I believe that was a double digit win for Tascosa. But mm-hmm. in that rivalry game, you know, to win, you know, to win by twelve points, that's a that's a significant margin in that rivalry. So that's a good win for Tascosa. Um, a hard rain fell in early Texas. Um, early early uh, loses to Jim Ned forty eight to seven. Uh, I think Jim Ned is who we thought they were. <laughs> That's yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, early, you know, got exposed a little bit. I mean, you know, they, they played a week and we talked about it. You know, we said they had played a week schedule. We had a lot of questions. I still think early is, is probably going to get into the playoffs. But I think now um, you're looking at, I think, early Breckenridge, Clyde, kind of all fighting for those last couple of playoff spots. I mean, there's a clear, clear separation in that district between Jim Ned and Wall and the rest of the district. And then you took Bridgeland and Cy Ranch. Um, now Connor Wigman didn't play in this game, and this game, this game was wild because, like, I want to say Cy Ranch was up twenty-eight nothing going to the fourth quarter. Yeah, Bridgeland, yeah. Bridgeland puts together this wild comeback, and then and then like Cy Ranch ends up like pulling away for like a thirty-eight twenty-eight win or something like that. Yeah, so I mean, we did drop Bridgeland out of the rankings, uh, but I, I don't think that's a terrible loss for Bridgeland considering their star didn't play, and it's their star quarterback. I mean, Wigman, you know, Wigman means more to Bridgeland than probably a single player means to most any team in the state of Texas. So, and they, Cy Ranch is a very good team. So, I'm not too worried about, about Bridgeland. We did drop them. Um, I'll be interested to see this week if, if Wigman plays against Cy Park because I think we're going to start mm-hmm. now see. Now we're going to find out with Cy Park. They're undefeated. They've blown everyone away, but they haven't really played that level of competition. We'll probably talk about that in that preview this week. But this is going to be a big test this week at Bridgeland Cy Park. 
Um, and then your hipster games were Keller Timber Creek, Byron Nelson, as well as Katie Morton Ranch and Katie uh, Seven Lakes and Katie Seven Lakes. And though yeah. we can lump those two together because not necessarily, obviously, good win for Byron Nelson and good win for Seven Lakes. They feel good about getting into the playoffs, but it's the ripple effects that are gonna that are gonna really resonate from these two matchups. Yeah, still some work to do for both teams, but I think the the die has been cast with you know Byron Nelson. Barring a late season collapse, should get into the playoffs, which would push South Lake Carroll into the into the Division One bracket, um, and then uh, Seven Lakes beating Morton Ranch again. Still some work to do for Seven Lakes, but they are on the path to make the playoffs, which would push Katie into the Division Two bracket, setting up potentially looking way down the road a semifinal matchup between the defending state champions, much like we had last year in Six A Division One when Westlake yep. and North Shore played in the semifinals we could get Westlake Katie in the semifinals this year. Yeah, and um, I would say that, I mentioned this on TFT, uh, coming into the year, um, if you were to go through the top three teams and which teams were most and least likely to go to the Division Two bracket, Carroll was always the least likely, yes. just on the way that the district breaks out. And I would say that Katie was probably, well, Katie and Westlake were probably close to one another. I might say Katie was the the most likely to go D2. Yeah, just because Katie um, ISD, the, you know, the, the, those teams three through seven are always so evenly matched. Or Westlake needed a lot to go right to go back to Division One, and that, that was always going to be the longest of long shots. Um, I took Montgomery and uh, Brian Rudder. And, Boy, Montgomery. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's impressive. Um Poor pickle. That's pickle, really pickle impressive. On Friday night, she she was she, yeah, did. she was hoping for a good game, and it just Montgomery just put the th- pedal to the metal. Well, and now, I mean, maybe we'll talk about it in in our draft, but like, here's here's an opportunity to, like, I think everybody's already like, all right, Montgomery, that's pretty good. If you want to crystallize that in everybody's brain, uh, you go to a And M Consolidated this week. You yeah. win that one, and everyone's sitting up and looking at you. Like exactly. that's that's the big one. So, um, Martin Chilton. Uh, okay, well, I guess we have our I guess we have our litmus test for Mart, um, and yeah, that is really that they can game, beat man. they can beat a top ten team by fifty. Yeah, that's so that's that's, that's the difference in two A Division two. When Mart plays teams in two A Division two, they typically dominate, and, and they started that. They're starting to do that again. You know, one thing I think is interesting. Just yesterday, for the for the sake of just fun, I tweeted out the um, what the computer projections for title games are right now, mm-hmm. um, and 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 it, and and it was Martin Munster. Um, I, I I I'm I don't know because Chilton. I think we agree was probably like a little overcooked at ten. Um, maybe, or maybe just, at the same or time, maybe maybe just the gap between the top two or three yes. teams in two A Division two is just so wide. I mean, it it just drops off the cliff. Yeah, it is. I think that's interesting. Um, Highland Park and Longview, uh, a gutty win for Highland Park. I thought they beat Longview at their own game. I think I thought Longview, I thought Longview got the style of game they wanted. Oh, for sure. That, um, that, if you would have told me that game was going to end twenty one sixteen, I would have thought Longview would have won. Yeah, um, but they. End, I'll, I'll tell you, man. It ends up being an issue again of, like, like. Well, Longview made some mistakes, and you're never gonna you're never gonna believe this, but Highland Park capitalized. Yeah, and that's um, the thing about if Longview plays relatively mistake free, 
they can beat anyone in the state in five A Division One. Anyone they they yeah. could, if they got hot they, they if they get hot they're good enough to win a state championship, but they're also mistake prone enough to lose in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, that's the, that's they're, what they're, long you, long you just don't know what you're going to get. Yeah, they're probably the the highest variance team in five A Division One. Um, and then you had Alamo Heights in Floresville. Um, give some, put some respect on Alamo Heights' name. That's a good win over Floresville, and yeah. um, suddenly they are six and zero. Another, uh, and then, and by the way, you look at the rest of their rest of their games. They get Bernie Champion next week. That'll be um, the big one. That's the big one. They get him at home. I don't know, man. Th- like y- you do not have to squint very hard to see a ten and zero Alamo Heights team. You no, really don't. And, and in Region Four and Five A Division Two, I mean. Yeah. There's not. I mean, I, 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 I'm not. I'm not going to be surprised if Alabama Heights wins the region. I mean, yeah. There's just I mean, not a lot of, of, you know, just teams that just blow me away in that region. Uh, and then Texas High beat Marshall uh, in in kind of a proof of concept game. Um, and yeah, I mean, they 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 showed me what I needed to. That defense was really good. Um, and yeah, I, I, I feel very comfortable with where they're at in our rankings. Um, I was, they were one of those teams that because they were ranked, we were like, uh, what exactly are you? Uh, we know now and they're, they're pretty darn good. I, I think Texas high, uh, is legit. And then my hipster game was Paul Pewitt and Paris Chisholm. My beloved, uh, Paris Chisholm, uh, took it, took it their first L of the year. And so, yeah, Mustang, uh, Mustang struggled a well, little bit. We'll hold, we'll hold a thought for, for, for the Mustangs. All right. All right. It's time for – is there anything – by the way, was there anything else that you wanted to get to? No, I think, I think that covered it. I mean, you know, I thought for the state rankings, it was a relatively chalky week. There wasn't a ton of movement. A lot of the teams, yeah. you know, took care of – like in 6A, I think in, in Class 6A, the, tw- the top 25 teams, uh, there were several idols, but the ones that played – Bridgeland was the only one who lost. And Bridgeland kind of yeah. has – a little bit of asterisk because their quarterback didn't play. Mm-hmm. It, so was, I, it was. It was. It was a relatively week. Lucky week. There's yeah, a little bit of churn at the bottom of, of rankings, but like you didn't have any any major shockers, which is you know maybe I think indicative of us getting into district play and things like that. All right, it's time for our week eight draft. If this is your first episode of Tap and Step, welcome. Here's how it works: we go back and forth selecting the games we are most interested in across the state. Uh, all 600 and whatever games are on the board. Once you uh, once a game is picked, it's off the board. Uh, we'll go five rounds, going back and forth, and then we will uh, round it all out with our hipster game of the week, which I'm going to spend one of the times that you are uh, you are talking <laughs> finding my hipster game. So there's that. Mine. Uh, four, four A okay, Division good. Two. Four A Division Two. I will avoid Four A Division Two then. Uh, we did a coin flip for the show. I won the coin flip, and that makes me very happy because I think there's a very obvious game that's the number one game this week. Like I, I don't, I don't. I don't think it's. I mean, there's other really good games, and we'll get to them. I, I this is the game. I don't know that I've been as excited about a game yet this year as the one that we're going to get at seven o'clock Friday night at Hornet Stadium in Munster, um, as the unbeaten Winthorpe Trojans, the defending two A Division two state champs, travel to Munster to take on the unbeaten Munster Hornets. Uh, in a huge district game, in a matchup of what are these boys ranked? Uh, this is two and three in the state. Two and three. I mean, this is this is this is big boy stuff, guys. This is yeah. yeah this is a uh, number two monster versus or number two Winthorpe versus number three monster. And look, what I think is most fascinating about this game is that 
at some point somebody's going to have to score. Like that's just that's an inevitability. Uh, and I'm just not real sure who it's going to be. And that's not to say that these guys don't have weapons, right? I think new new Winthorpe's quarterback Logan Cope has really stepped up in a big way. Um, Munster running back Colton Deckard is a is is a madman. He is, I mean that in, the, in a in a complimentary way. He's a madman. Um, the big offensive line for Munster has been fantastic, but these are two of the elite, like pound for pound, the elite defenses in the state of Texas like hard stop. And now they like, they're going to go head to head on a, on Friday night. And I like, I just wonder who's going to, who's going to be able to, to break through. Like it's, I think a lot of this game is going to come down to that monster offensive line, which is big and physical. And they are averaging 8.4 yards per carry. I mean, they are blowing holes open for the running game, and they're keeping the quarterback clean. Uh, going up against this Winthorpe's defensive line, which, I mean, you saw, like, go back to the title game against Mart, right? Um, you got a perfect encapsulation of how Juan Cavazos' defense, he's a defense coordinator at Winthorpe's, how his defense works, which is it all starts up front. They do not have to send extra guys to get pressure. They have great gap integrity. Uh, they have guys who can just fill a hole and be like, all right, you're not getting past me. And they're all sure tacklers. And so that to me with Eddie Lamas and, and Jaden Friddle up front going up against Logan Stewart and Daniel Fernandez on the, on the monster offensive line. That's really fascinating. Um, there's also, I mean, the other side's interesting too. With, I mentioned Logan Cope. They've got a variety of different weapons. Tommy, uh, Timmy Lutmer and, uh, and Eli Saucer for, uh, for Munster have been very good. They're allowing fewer than 12 points per game. And a lot of those, a lot of the, like they, they beat era 77 to 20 last week. Yeah, I am yeah. fairly certain that game was 77 to, to, to three, I think. It, like it, it was, was I mean, ugly, yeah. Era got some, yeah, a little bit of window dressing late. I, I think it's yeah. fascinating for me because these two teams, you know, know each other so well. And they, they played, they played twice last year. Winthorpe yep. won both games. I was at the, the the state quarterfinal game in the in round four. It was boy, it was cold that night. Man, it was cold. But uh, Winthorpe beat Munster in the playoffs thirty to twenty last year. They beat him in the regular season eighteen to seven. So you kind of had two different styles of games. But I think that there's you know one kind of defensive slugfest in the regular season, and then in the playoffs a little more high scoring. You know these two teams know each other real well. It's going to sound real cliche when you're breaking down this game. But I think it just comes down to mistakes. I think it's going to be whichever team plays the cleanest game because these two teams are so familiar with each other and they play yeah. at such a high level. Let me let me throw one other thing out there. Uh, and this is with all due respect to Albany, who's just bobbing along and they're like, ho-hum, don't, don't mind us. We're just doing our thing. They're number four, by the way, in the rankings. Um, and won like 83 to last week or something. It was yeah, like 83 to nothing. yeah. Uh, you mentioned last week that, um, or you mentioned that that they played twice last year. I I think that both Brady great coaching matchup too. Brady Carney going up against Chris Tackett. Um, I think that there is a pretty fair um, a, a fair assessment would be to say that these two teams are. I don't want to say likely, but like bordering on likely to face each other twice, and. As a result, do you keep something in your pocket? Do you 
Um, because here's the other thing, like, do you, like, do you, do you make sure that you hold a little bit back knowing full well, you may have to beat this team when it counts even more than it counts right now, because here's the other thing, the way the bracket breaks down, the winner of this game would play Albany. The winner of this game would play Albany, I think in the regional semis, uh, while the loser of this game, presuming they finish one, two in district, which I think is a fair assumption. The loser of this game would not would only have to face one of the team they either play this week or Albany. And so there's an interesting chess match here, too. And I'm certainly not suggesting anyone's going to go out there and throw the game. But what I am suggesting is, are you going to hold a couple of things back to not give them the film on it, knowing full well that you may see them in, what, six weeks, seven weeks? Um, it's really intriguing to me. Um, so I'm fascinated. I think I like Munster, uh, but it is, I mean, this is razor's edge type stuff. I mean, this is, this is as close as it comes. I'm, I'm, this is the game I'm most excited about this week. Uh, and, and by, by a pretty considerable margin too. I'm, I'm really excited about it. So, uh, my first think, pick is Winthorpe's Munster. And I believe that's the, uh, Ashley Pickle game of the week this week, isn't it? Is that, I believe that is her it Friday is, night game for Valley. It is the. It is the Ashley Pickle game of the week. I believe Ishmael Johnson is going to try to go to this game too. Awesome. So uh, it's a it's, uh, pickle, uh, pickle and Ish there. I mean, boy, you talk in, about big doings. That's, oh, big doings in, in I mean, Cook TV, County. Exactly. TV's own Ashley Pickle and Ish. I mean, I know. Ooh. Wow. Wow. <sighs> that's a lot. It's a lot All for right. Munster. I hope, I hope Munster's ready. I, I, yeah, I don't know. Let's, I mean, we should probably ask. Uh, that's my first pick, Winthorson Munster. What is your first pick, Matthew? I mean, let's go down to Houston and talk about our Friday night game uh, in Houston between – we talked about it a little bit in the pre-show uh, – well, not the pre-show, but the, the preview, of week, preview of week seven as the Bridgeland Bears at 5-1 and one and 2-1 and one in district play take on unbeaten Side Park 6-0-3-0 in a massive 16-6-A matchup, which I believe the uh, DCTF crew, uh, some of our operations folks are going to be there doing a, a fun little thing with Legos All Texas right. Bowl. So. You know, we'll, we'll All give right, a and here comes, out. and here with a moment of gloating about how he called Cy Park as Matt Stepp. Yes, hello, hi, Matt Stepp, Texas High School Football Insider here. And uh, preseason, <laughs> um, I believe I was the one taping for Cy Park in the in, in the preseason. You know, to pull the curtain back a little bit, we we get the we get our first pass the rankings. What we usually get that what about first of May, right around right around Cinco yeah, de Mayo, uh, get that late, first pass. late April, late April, very first of May, yeah. And in the first pass, Cy Park was pretty low in the rank. We're talking, I think they were in the fifties. And I was like, oh hell no. I was like, Cy Park is going to be this is this is the team that I'm hitching my wagon to this year. There's always one every year that I do it. Most years I turn out okay. We we have our Atlanta years every once in a while, mm-hmm. but even that year Atlanta Golly. went to the regional. Hey, even that year Atlanta went to the regional finals. Um, True, but uh, I said Tepper, we got to move Cy Park up, and Tepper kind of begrudgingly agreed. He's like, "All right, I guess I'll throw you a bone here." And we 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 pushed Cy Park a little bit up the rankings, and they've made me look smart so far. Um, that wing T offense is humming, and they've got you know a true game breaker in Harold Perkins on both sides of the ball. And what I love about Cy Park is Perkins plays almost 100% of the time on defense. But when they put him on offense, he's a difference maker. They only put him on offense maybe every fourth series or so. But when he's out there, he is a monster. He is fun to watch. They do have other playmakers. And when, they can throw it when they need to. It, it's, 
it's not like Cy Park can't throw out of the wing tee. Their quarterback has really come along. Ed, Ed Dixon is incredibly efficient. And I like Cy Park because they play with some nastiness. They play with that chip and that edge on defense on defense that I want to see from those great teams. You know, I'm not going to compare them to North Shore, but when you watch North Shore's defense, their defense mm-hmm. plays angry. Like, they play pissed off. And I see a little bit of that pissed offness in Cy Park that you want to see from an elite defense. They're going to need to play like that against Bridgeland, especially if Connor Wiegman is playing, because we know Bridgeland can score the football. We know they, they can move the football up and down the field on good teams. They're going to need to play that way against Bridgeland if they want to get that district title. Because basically what you're looking at is Cy Park is tr- kind of turning into this year's Bridgeland in a lot of ways. Where Bridgeland last year was really the one who burst on the scene and kind of was the darling uh, of, of, the, of, of the Houston area. I think Cy Park has that potential. I like Cy Park in this one just because I don't know if Wigman's going to play. And if Wigman doesn't play, I don't, I don't think Bridgeland has the horses to keep up. And I just, I just wonder if Coach Raphael is going to see a little bit more of the big picture here with Wigman and hold him out until he's back 100% and get him ready for the playoffs. Let me pull up this. Uh, let me pull up our um, the the breakdown. You're listening to live coverage of me looking something up on my computer. Um, I want to look at the, the any way. Other. Uh, it really is. I want to look at the breakdown of the enrollments in 166A because um, I want to know. I'm pretty sure that Cy Ranch and Cy Woods are going to be Division One, and Cy that Park is and correct. Bridgeland are going to be D2. So this is also for seeding. Right. That's exactly what I'm driving at. Is uh, Let's assume that um, – well, actually, yeah, well, it does – I mean, if Langham Creek gets in instead of – but I don't think they will. Um, I think I think all the, well, I don't know. Has Langham Creek played Sidewoods yet? I don't know. Let's see. Um, I let's think they see. have. I think Sidewoods beat them. Langham Creek. Uh, yeah, they beat Side. Or uh, oh no, Sidewoods beat Langham Creek last week. Yeah, beat them by one. So, so I yeah, beat them by one for a playoff spot. Yeah. So Langham Creek. So, Langham Creek's in a little. Langham Creek's probably going to have to beat either Cy Ranch or Cy Park to, to get some help to get in. So they're they're in a little bit of trouble. Right. They're in a bit of trouble. So right now, if you were to project it out, the four playoff teams would be Cy Park, Cy Ranch, Bridgeland, and Cy Woods. That would mean that these two teams would then be um, that these two teams would be playing for Division Two seating. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and that is you know obviously important. And like, if like you want to take a look at the way that that would break out, here's a little irony for God. If the, the, the number one seed, and whoever gets the number one seed, would actually see Rockwall Heath in the third round, and the number two seed potentially could avoid Rockwall Heath until the fourth round. Interesting. So weird, That's right. Weirdo things where it could benefit the team. Not saying what somebody's going to lose on purpose, but from a playoff projection standpoint, there, there might be some benefit in being the second seed. You might get a better bracket. Remember, Brooklyn yeah. last year You're- lost to Rockwall Heath in the third round. I was at that game. Mm-hmm. A wild, a wild ass game. Yeah. Um, anyway, so um, I am. I think that's an excellent game. I do. Th- I think you're right. I think this comes down to Bridgeland and whether or not Wigman plays. If, but I all, I'll be honest. And you guys know, you know how I feel about Bridgeland. You, I think it's, it's well documented how much how I how how I feel about Bridgeland. Um, this also. Uh, even if Wigman plays, I wonder if Cy Parks just got the got the gas this year. Like yeah. I, I wonder. I think I I think I've seen enough that um, I may be. I, I I think I might be a believer. 
I think I might be a believer. I will say this is the first time Cy Park's really playing someone in their weight class. They have not done that yet this year. And that's the mm-hmm. one thing that I'm like, all right, let's let's see what happens. Because Bridgeland's going to hit back. Bridgeland is going to put some yeah. Cy Park in some adversity. How do the Tigers handle that adversity? Hey, by the way, you know, you mentioned that the loser of this game uh, would would avoid Rockwall Heath. Let's take it even a step further, okay? Um, the loser of this game or the winner of this game would see Spring Westfield in the second round. That's a yeah, because Westfield's probably so, going to be this year. So maybe you know, again, I'm I'm certainly not suggesting that anybody's going to go out there and throw a game, but. If you take a look at the at the the bracket breakdown here and the way things may break, normally you'd want to get away from like Cedar Hill, but like that doesn't appear to be a necessarily that big of a problem this year. Yeah, they're down. Um, this is a really intriguing matchup here, and 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 losing this game is n- all I'm saying is losing this game is not necessarily the end of the world. Is, is the a great way, way to put it. That's a great way to yeah. put it. So, which is why anyway, I think so I that, wonder if Wigman is not. If Wigman is not yeah. full go, if if Bridgeland says, you know what, we, we're we're gonna we're gonna look big picture here and live to fight another day. Yeah, not a bad idea. All right, that's an excellent pick, Bridgeland inside Park. Where do I want to go? I. All right, let's go to the Coastal Bend, seven thirty p.m. Friday night at Wildcat Stadium in Corpus Christi. It is the big game in the Coastal Bend this week. It is, and I think it's pretty pretty clearly like it's it's actually not. Well, actually, let me make sure I don't I don't put my foot in my mouth and I'm not overlooking some incredible Coastal Bend game. But I am fairly certain this is like the game of the week in the Coastal Bend by a pretty considerable margin. I think it is. I think, I think you're, uh, you're on solid footing there. Let me make sure so I don't make so I don't get an email. Save your emails. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the next best game would be like Fall City goes to Louise, which is interesting. Maybe a hipster pick. Anyway, but yeah, this is the big game. As the Corpus Christi Callan Wildcats welcome in the Corpus Christi Miller Buccaneers. And what I think is fascinating about this game is... These are two teams that I think are pretty clearly flawed. Um, And I think in a lot of ways, their flaws match up with one another. Um, For Cal Allen, um, their defense has been great. Their defense has been really good. Uh, Colton Calloway, uh, defense has not been the issue. You're never going to believe this, but Cal Allen's got a great defense, right? Um, Breaking but good, yeah. Breaking, breaking news. news. But but Miller's offense has also not been the problem. Basically, aside from La Vega, which is I think a different a different kind of team. Uh, aside from La Vega, they have been cooking offensively. Jaden Brown. I know we've talked a lot about him, but he's been great. Lonnie Atkinson, their their wide receiver. I mean, they are flying high offensively, and that is a real strength-on-strength matchup. When Miller has the ball, how does Cal Allen match up with them? So then you go to the other side. And the other side is where the weaknesses match up. Because I think Cal Allen's offense has only been okay. Um, they got a big game in like week one from Epi Hinojosa, their running back. Yep. And since then, it has been a whole lot of just kind of just, I don't want to say kind of blah. Trying to grind no? it. Yeah, very, 
very workmanlike. Nothing real, nothing real yeah. eye opening. Just kind of doing just enough to get by in a lot of ways. I mean, okay, and, and 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 the score, the final score line is not necessarily, especially in a game like this, is not necessarily indicative. But like last week, Cal Allen played Teloso midway. Now Phil Danaher has literally never lost Teloso midway, like in his career. Stat. Amazing. Stat. He's never lost Teloso midway. And normally, normally, what does that game look like? Seb? It's usually <laughs> normally, like forty or fifty points. More. It's it's a yeah. Blowout. It's usually fifty-five nothing, uh, and it's just kind of nothing. Last week it was thirty-three nothing, and and that gives me pause. Like that, just, and then coming up because that's the last two weeks. I would say the last three weeks where they played Kerrville Tyvee as a five-A team. It's a, you know, it's a struggling five-A team. It's a five-A team. They score twenty-one. They play San Antonio Cornerstone. That's a good private school team, but they they score six. six. And yeah, last six. yeah, and then and then last week they 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 only put up thirty-three against a team that they normally just mollywop. Um, but they're going up against a Miller defense that is, uh, uh, well, uh, buddy, um, some issues. They struggle. They're not, they're not great. They, and part of it is their offense no. is makes them not great because their offense scores so fast. Yeah. But it's, well, it's, this it's, was a big thing. It's the lingering question we have of Miller. We've had this question. The well, past and, that was a, and this is the same thing that Justin Evans really banged the drum about last year. He goes, Everyone looks at our defense and they think that our defense stinks, but a lot of the problem is that our offense scores in two plays, and so they're out there all the time, um, which is true and it's it's fair. But like, what's your excuse against La Vega, right? Yeah. Uh, exactly. You know, and 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 what's your excuse against Corpus Christi Vets? Like, I, 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 excuse is the wrong word. I'm not suggesting Justin Evans is making excuses. What or I'm saying even, is, or even Alice last week, I mean, they they got pushed hard by Alice. And yeah. Alice, is an, Alice is an interesting team because it's, they pushed they pushed Vets in week one and they pushed Miller in week two. I mean, not week two, but this past week. So Alice is an interesting team. But it's like any time Miller plays a good team, this happens. Yeah. Where they give up 40-plus points. Yeah. I mean, they are – like basically they have wins over Corpus Christi Ray – uh, Browns or uh, Brownsville, Hannah, Sinton, but they gave up thirty to Sinton, um, and then they and then and then Alice last week, who again you mentioned is, is an interesting team. But they gave up 40, 48, uh, 44 rather. La Vega, like they gave up forty eight to La Vega. Now La Vega, I think we all agree La Vega is pretty good. And we already talked about them a little bit, and like they gave up, but they gave up sixty two to Corpus Christi Vets, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. like. I don't know. I just have questions about both of those units, the Cal Allen offense and the Miller defense. Who can figure that out better? And who can figure it out quickly? Because, by the way, um, I don't know how you feel about Calhoun. They're a weird team this year. Calhoun's weird. Um, district 15 4A Division One is a weirdo district this week, this year. It, it is. A, that's, that's, we should pull that quote and put it on Twitter. 15 4A Division One is a weirdo district this year. It really is, but but this is at the very least the winner of this game feels really good about winning the district. Let's just say that. Especially um, if, Miller, if, if Miller can find a way through and win this game at Wildcat Stadium, I, you know Miller's got wins in their back pocket over Alice and Cal Allen. But they, they got to be feeling yeah. pretty good about that. Yes, I think that you're right. And so there you go. I'm going to take Miller and Cal Allen, which is just fascinating on a lot of different levels, and and I'm I'm interested to see how it shakes out. What's your second pick? You know, I'm going to go to my game that, I, that I'm attending on Friday night. 
Uh, in Wichita Falls. That's right, you're, you're flying directly from, you're flying direct from Toronto to Wichita Falls. Yes, I'll, I'll be the, the third person in the past 25 years who's done that. <laughs> um, no offense to our friends in Wichita Falls, by the way. Um, but well, by the way, I'm, I'm going to, here's a re- really fun, funny, random story. I'm planning on having lunch with my insurance guy in Wichita Falls, who's Joe Cluley's brother. What? Yeah. My insurance guy is Joe Cluley's brother in Wichita Falls. Great race, Love by the way. Coach, Love against Dakota coach Joe Cluley. Yeah, Wichita Falls native Joe Cluley. His brother is a is an agent for an insurance company. I won't I won't give the insurance company's name unless they sponsor us. Um, so hey, yeah. if you want to sponsor us? So Kenneth, what's up? Um, yes, my insurance agent is in Wichita Falls. Gave me a great rate. He's awesome. I got a great deal. Um, I need to hook you up with him. By the way, he's going to take <laughs> me to lunch. Is- he's taking me to lunch. Yeah. This is okay. This this did not go the direction that I thought it would. Yes, <laughs> but my Friday night game it's it's a double header by the way in which Wichita Falls Friday. First game is really good also, but my uh, nightcap at eight o'clock for the seventh time in the past three and a half years, Lubbock yeah. Cooper meets up with Wichita Falls Rider, and these two teams know each other about as well as two teams know each other at this point because they have played twice in the past three years. Once in the regular season, once in the regional finals, with Lubbock Cooper holding a 42 edge. Here's the interesting thing. Lubbock Cooper's won all three regular season meetings the past three years. But Ryder has taken two of three in the playoffs from the Pirates. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's a little interesting twist to this thing. Uh, but in this one, Cooper on the road going to Wichita Falls to take on unbeaten Ryder. Cooper's 5-1, and one, Ryder's 6-0. and oh. And I got to say, I-, I thought Cooper would be in this spot. I wasn't so sure about Wichita Falls Rider because they had graduated the house. And Mark Bendel's squad has done nothing but just take care of business week after week, and most weeks in pretty convincing fashion. I think the one game they got pushed in was uh, their win over Odessa High, which now looking back on it, mm-hmm. Odessa High is not a bad 6A ball club. So um, Ryder, they've been getting it done with, with the running game. Anquan Willis. Uh, week after week, rushing for 160, 170. He had 209 last week and four touchdowns in a 34-19 win over Abilene Wiley. Um, Ryder's going to be a ground-based team this year. You know, they, they, were, they were so good through the air last year with their Division I quarterback who's now at Virginia and a good group of receivers. This is a different kind of team, but still equally effective. Going up against a Lubbock Cooper team who we know what Lubbock Cooper's going to do. They're going to be really mm-hmm. strong on defense. Kobe McKenzie. Uh, Oklahoma commit. Their defensive end is committed to Baylor, whose name escapes me at the moment. But that defense, we know Lovett Cooper is going to be dominant. Tyler Jordan. Yeah, we know they're going to be dominant on defense. The question with Cooper is going to be offensively. It's been the question the past couple of years. Can they be dynamic enough and move the football enough against good teams to be an elite team come playoff time? I thought they were pretty good last week. They got some guys back. They put up 55 points. Granted, it's against Plainview, and Plainview, Plainview is slightly improved this year, but they're still struggling. But this is the real test for Lubbock Cooper's offense. Can they get it done against a tough rider defense? And I think this is going to be one of those low-scoring, defensive struggle-type games. Both teams love to run the football. I think it's going to come down to which quarterback on either side can make a few plays in the passing game to open up, to kind of take the top off the defense a little bit and, and hit those big plays. I think points, points yards, first downs, all going to be hard to come by Friday night at Memorial Stadium. Lubbock Cooper's, yeah, had, is, yeah, Lubbock Cooper's had Riders' number in the regular season. I'm going to stick with Lubbock Cooper. 
I'm going to say like a 16-14 kind of game. It's going to be a slugfest. Yeah, and 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 I, I want to make sure I look this up. But if I if if memory serves, when these two teams get together, it tends to be like a real street fight, like a real rock fight. Of yeah. Um, let's see. They have played. Yeah, I mean they played 38-32. No, oh that's oh that's that's the wrong Cooper. Duh. Huh. Sorry, I, I pulled up Abilene Cooper. Yeah. Um, yeah, 21, 13, 25, 24, 27, seven. I mean, like they, these have been low scoring nip and tuck affairs. Mm-hmm. If history is any guide, it'll be the same thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that you're right. A lot of the question, a lot of the onus is going to be on this Cooper offense to get going and they don't have to be spectacular because that defense is going to do their part. They Maybe. just have to be good. They need to get 27. I think I think four touchdowns. Yeah. If you can score four touchdowns, I think you win the game. I, I think I think you just got to get to twenty-seven. Easier said than done, though. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, this writer this writer team's cooking, and, and Mark Bendel's got them got them going. All right, that's a good pick. My third pick, Matthew. I'm gonna go to scenic, crime-free Frisco, Texas. Ah uh, yes. Uh at at. By the way, I guess I missed this. You know Memorial Stadium's not Memorial Stadium anymore? Yeah, they changed the name a couple of years ago. I can't remember the name of it now. I still call I th- it Memorial. I, th- I, th- I am almost certain that I have called it Memorial Stadium, and I want to apologize to David Kirkendall, who has the stadium named after him. I apologize, Mr. Kirkendall. You know, uh, you know what other to David Kirkendall. I do this with another Go. stadium in the Metroplex. Ir- Irving School. St- I still call it Irving School Stadium. It's called uh, something else ISS. now. Yeah, I just call it ISS, but it's called it's got a, it's named after a person in Irving ISD now. So uh, sorry, yeah. pers- sorry, random person in Irving <laughs> ISD. I'm sure it's like a superintendent. Probably because um, I think Dave Kirkendall is the superintendent. Anyway, oh, seven o'clock Friday. Seven o'clock Friday at David Kirkendall Stadium in Frisco. It is the unbeaten Frisco Raccoons taking on the den the five and one Denison Yellow Jackets. And okay, I, I don't know who it was, but we had scoreboard on, on scoreboard um, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we had, and this was when Frisco, um, who did they beat? They, they beat somebody, and it was like a really impressive win. Um, was, it, was it Liberty when they beat Liberty? Yeah, it was when they beat Liberty. We had a reporter out there, and um, and who it was one of their running backs. I think it might have been, and I don't want to call him. I don't want to say it out there, you know, air it out there if it's wrong. But it's either Bradford Martin or Jordan Hamilton. And our reporter uh, was talking to him after the game, and he made some comment about, and and maybe this is just me being like too too caught up in, in fake disrespect. But he was saying something along the lines like, yeah, they pick us to lose every week or anything like that. And I'm looking around, and I'm like, who's picking you to lose? <laughs> like, ain't us. I, ain't us. I got I – think, I think this Raccoons team and, and uh, is really legit. And by the way, we – and I think – because when did – Jeff Harbert took over in 2019, right? This is his third year, I want to say. Is, I believe this is year three, yeah. Okay. We probably don't – we should probably revisit something that we talked a lot about in 2019, which is, guys, he has added a new, like, a new wrinkle and a new edge to Frisco football um, that makes them extremely hard to stop. Yeah. Um, because basically, like, so they run the wing tee, and they do yes. it really well with Jordan Hamilton and Bradford Martin. They run it ex- exceptionally well. But they are also, like – 
I would almost I'm, I'm certainly not comparing the two because I don't think I would predict Frisco to make a title game at the moment. But you go back to that 2018 Liberty Hill team where we started calling it the murder tee, right? Mm-hmm. They, they run the slot tee and they just run it with such tempo and with such like violence that like suddenly like it's like running like the air raid as version of, of the slot tee. This is kind of the air raid version of the wing tee. They run tempo. They run, they throw the ball a little bit, not a ton, but for a wing T team, they throw the ball a fair amount. They throw this offense, to be honest, for sure. They, they throw it just exactly enough. right. And they, they are humming right now. They have looked excellent. That win over Frisco Liberty is obviously that's, that's the, the big win for them. Um, now they take on, I mean, here's the thing about Frisco. We'll find out these next two weeks exactly where they are because they get Denison this week. We'll talk about them in a moment. And the next week they play Lovejoy. And so we'll know in a hurry just yeah. how for real the raccoons are. Absolutely. Um, so so for Denison, I, I, you guys are never going to believe this, but uh, when you have a Notre Dame commit at running back, uh, you just kind of feed him and good things happen. Uh, Jadarian Price. Good strategy. good strategy. Yeah. Jadarian Price has been excellent. Um, and, and, and a big reason why that they are five and one, their one loss on the year, they lost to Lovejoy. Uh, now they got bodied by Lovejoy, which may in fact tell us a little, they may, Mm -hmm. that may tell us everything we need to know about Lovejoy. Um, but since then they have been chugging along They're you know, aside from that game, they're putting up regularly 30, 40 points a game. Britt Winston's doing a great job in his first year there at Denison. And so a lot of this game just comes down to, in a game that's going to feature two really good running games, a lot of this just comes down to defense. And specifically, if you tell me what the turnover margin is, I'm going to tell you what the, who won this game. Because I think that possessions are at a premium. I think that um, time of possession is, is going to be the name of the game here. And so in a game that may move real fast, uh, and you may just not, you may only get three to four possessions a half, right? If you, if, if you can get a stop or you can get a turnover or something like that, that's going to end up telling, telling the story. I like Frisco in this one. I think they're for real. I think they are, I think they, you have to insert them as the chief challenger to Lovejoy. Um, and I, who knows if they win this game, we may be talking about that game next week. Um, but a really intriguing matchup. And, and again, we'll, we'll, we'll find out everything we need to know about Frisco over the next today's Tuesday. So the next 13 days or, you know, 12 days or whatever, we'll find out everything we need to know about Frisco. Cause if they can win these two games, then it's like, Oh, okay. Um, They're let's start talking about you in region yeah. two. Exactly. Right. So you know, the one thing I like, Denison, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I'm done. Uh, you know, the one thing, Denison under Chad Rogers really had Frisco's number. Their Denison's defense was able to slow Frisco's offense down, unlike anybody else. I think last year's game was 10-7, to and it was a real low-scoring game that Denison won. So for whatever reason, Denison under Chad Rogers had Frisco's number. Does that translate under new head coach Brent Whitson this week? Because you know you have a new new scheme, new system, new coaching staff. Can Denison do the same things against Frisco that they had done in the past couple of years? I will say the Denison blowout loss against Lovejoy has me concerned about this one. That's really you look yeah. at Denison's schedule. Other than the annual grudge match against Sherman, they really haven't played a ton of teams of note. And the one team they did play, they got beat bad. So that's that's probably yeah. my biggest concern about Denison going into this one. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um... Yeah, so I'm going to take Frisco and Denison. What's your third pick, Matthew? 
I'm going to go down to Austin County, just outside of the Houston area, for my third pick as the four and two Sealy Tigers take on the six and zero unbeaten Belleville Bramas in a old rivalry. This is a blood feud. These two teams, two towns, are about 15 miles apart from each other. They're old rivals. People are related on both sides. This is one of those old school knockdown, knockdown, drag out rivalry games. As Sealy comes to town, looking to take down the undefeated Bramas, and for Sealy. I thought last week they bounced back. They had back-to-back losses. They bounced back nicely last week, opening district play, 26 to nothing win over Brookshire Royal. That's a much-improved Brookshire Royal ball club um, that, that Sealy beat. So I think Sealy is going to be in, in position to do some damage this week against Belleville. Um, Devon Himaluski, uh, their junior quarterback, is sensational. He had a touchdown running and a passing touchdown in the game. Thomas Clark uh, catches a touchdown pass and has a pick six for a touchdown. Really good stuff from Sealy's defense, and they're going to need that defensive effort this week against that explosive Belleville slot T offense with the two Division One commits. Our mm-hmm. guy Robert Robert Briggs, the Utah State commit, yes. just always does it, and he did it again last week. Maybe Here's, maybe the he may be the official player of Teppan Step this year. He's unbelievable. Last week, <laughs> Belleville beats Wharton seventy-two to nothing. Okay, yeah. Briggs catches two touch. He runs for two touchdowns, catched a touchdown pass, and had a punt return for a touchdown as well. Just oh, that, that guy does it in all three phases, week in, week out. Uh, he plays defense. He catches the ball. He runs the ball. He returns kicks. He does everything. And then Richard Reese, the Baylor commit, two touchdowns rushing, breaks the school record for career touchdowns. Just a complete effort from Belleville. They have been completely dominant week in and week out every week. But this is their biggest test of the year against Sealy. This is this is going to be a, they're going to mm-hmm. get pushed this week against Sealy. I think Belleville wins it. I think they're explode. This this is a Belleville team that I think might be the second best team in Region Three, Four A, Division Two. They're going to find a way through, but I think we're going to really see what they're made of this week against a, a Sealy team that's going to be gunning for them. Yeah, this is you're you're right that this is how do I want to put this. A lot of like it, this is a gut check time here for Belleville because this is a this is a, a Sealy team that wants their head. Like this is a Sealy team that they can you know the, the Sealy's been good this year. Um, I think it's fair to say that right now I would not call Sealy uh, a, a true state championship contender. Um, I think that you know I've got some concerns, most specifically you know that their defense can 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 be torched at times. But so so here is here is I. I promise you what Shane Mobley is telling his guys guys like guys how about we go ruin a season like how about, mm-hmm. we go, how, how about we just take take their head and like that's going to be a huge huge you know because because if they win this game that would make their season absolutely you know what I mean this, yeah in these kind of games absolutely so this would be this would be huge for season yeah so that's an excellent pick um it's an excellent pick you are going to take uh Belleville and Sealy with your third pick all right, I am going to bounce down to. All right, I'm going to bounce down to Houston. I'm going to do a Saturday night affair at Turner Stadium in Humble. It's a great Saturday at... night slate in Houston this week, by the way. It really is. Yeah. Um, we get spoiled as the Atascacita Eagles take on the C.E. King Panthers. Uh, in a matchup that, uh, hey, C.E. King, let's find out. Mm-hmm. Like, this, is the week. this week, 
This is the week. Um, a task see, of course, number six, CE King, number 22, in the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Associated Press rankings. And, and look, here's the thing about CE King. You can't say a whole lot negative about, like, uh, the name of the game is to beat the teams that are put in front of you. And they have done that, and they have done that with gusto. Um, they played one close game, not uh, two close games, etc. They played, they beat straight Jesuit by by a touchdown, and then their signature win, I would say, right now is that win over Fort Penn Ridge Point, uh, 28-26. Um, that's their signature win. The name of the game is to beat the teams who are put in front of you. They have beaten the teams that they have put in front of you, and they've got some playmakers. Jarrell Wimbley, um, did I have this right? Well, I should really do research before we start the show. The thing, about uh, King, the thing that I've noticed about C.E. King and watching them on tape a couple of times is how they, they are incredibly fast in skill position. They have got speed. They, they have got so much speed. They are like, they're fast everywhere. Like, their linemen are fast. Like, they're really, really fast. Jarrell Wimbley, uh, I don't know. Like, again, I'm not a recruiting guy, and thank God for that because I don't know what I'm doing. But like this guy's got, he's got a bunch of, um, he's got two offers from Ivy League schools. He's got an offer from Houston Baptist Lamar. He's got one FBS offer from Nevada, 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 Nevada. Whatever. Yeah, he's got, he's got um, Ivy, League, Ivy League offers. How can Rice have not offered him yet? Man, we gotta get, we gotta. That's get what I'm thinking, man. Yeah, we, gotta, we got Rice on the bomb board there. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta ping our buddy Bloom anyway. Yeah. But C King's got guys like that, DeCorian Hammond as well. They have been outstanding and. What I like about the CE King defense is they have a knack for the big play. They have they have a feel for the moment. They have a knack for the big play. They came up with big plays down the stretch against against Ridge Point to win. All their close games, they've come up with those big plays. Well, here's your final exam. Well, for part of your two. This is your two part final exam because next week they play uh, North Shore. Um, so here's step one because you're taking on a task Tascita, and we talked a lot about them. Uh, Gavin Session, Keith Wheeler, Chase Sowell. We don't talk enough about their defense, most notably with with Micah Tate at the defensive end spot. Um, Atascacita is a bona fide state championship contender hard stop. I don't think there's really any doubt about that. C.E. King can elevate themselves into that discussion with a win, especially considering they are um, they're going to go to the Division II bracket. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to talk about now? Katie will almost certainly be there too. But if you want to talk about a challenger in, in, in Region 3, you win this game and everybody's going to start sitting up and, and, and talking about it. The, the question for me, and I think this is going to be the question for every Atascacita game forever and ever, amen, this year, is can you get pressure with your front, with just your front four? Because the Atascacita offensive line, because basically what ended up happening, go back to that, their, their, Atascacita's signature win over Allen. That's a great Allen front. And they had to send extra guys to make Gavin Session uncomfortable. The they offensive did. line with Cam Dewberry and all those guys, that's what do, that's the real straw that stirs the drink for a task. See, can King get pressure with without sending blitzers? I, I think you're I think you're absolutely right. I think if they can do that, they can pull the upset. I think Tascacita comes into this game as the favorite, but I think if yeah. C.E. King gets a little pressure. Keep, gets get session off his spot, which is what Denton Geyer was able to do in the second half of their game when they beat a Tascacita. They were able to rush four, get to session, make him uncomfortable in the pocket, and that prevented a Tascacita's playmakers from breaking the game wide open. So I, I think you're exa- exactly right on this analysis. I think a Tascacita's defense is going to be geared up to slow down the CE King running game. 
I think CE Keen's going to have to put the ball in the air to consistently move the ball against mm-hmm. Tasman Cedar. Which that's that's not they. It's not that they can't do. It. I think DeCorey Hammond's their quarterback. It's not that they can't do it, but that's not their game. That's not where they want to live. They want they want they want to grind it out and they want to be a running based team. So if they have to chase, that's problematic for them. Uh, that's a big Saturday night affair. I believe we got it on text and live. Uh, yes, we do. Um, I believe that that's uh, Gavin Moritz will be on the call of that game. Ooh, fun, fun, fun. So there you go. That is uh, a task, or that, rather that is a task, a task Cita and CE King. What was your fourth pick, Matthew? I'm going to go to the Metroplex and talk about the aforementioned Geyer Wildcats as the undefeated and fourth-ranked Geyer Wildcats 7-0 hosts the Allen Eagles. 5-1, and 2-0. Allen comes into this game as the number 11 team and actually probably a slight underdog, which is rare to say when you're talking about Allen. But I think Geyer, with wins over Atascacita and Denton Ryan, has earned that mantle as the favorite in this ballgame. The question is, can Geyer get it done against Allen and end the Eagles, the last real winning streak that Allen has going on, which is their long district winning streak? Because Allen, you know, they, their home winning streak came to an end, their regular season winning streak came to an end and lost to Atascacita. Can the district winning streak come to an end this week against Geyer? And I will say for Allen, they got things going last week. They they rolled a good little Elm team 71 to 29 last week. Uh, 674 yards of offense. Um, Mike Hawkins, their young quarterback, had a big game. Jalen Jenkins had a huge game, 213 mm-hmm. yards and four touchdowns. Um, the defense came up big with a couple of turnovers, and that was that was probably Allen's most complete effort of the year. Denton Geyer, on the other hand, just you know, just continues to kind of bob along. You know, beat Braswell 35-14. Jackson Arnold uh, threw for 249 and two touchdowns. Um, the Geyer defense continues to be impressive. Their front seven is really good. They've got an elite secondary with what I think has four Division One players in their secondary. This is a complete mm-hmm. Geyer team. And I think we saw Geyer in the, in the Atascacita game put the game on Jackson Arnold's shoulders in that game. They really said, Jackson Arnold, go win us this game. And, they, and he did it. I think you're going to see something similar this week. Jackson Arnold, in a lot of games, doesn't put up huge numbers because he doesn't have to. But in the games that Geyer needs, Rodney Webb and the Geyer coaching staff has, has basically said, Jackson Arnold, go win us this game. And I think it's going yep. to come down to Jackson Arnold and that Geyer offense. Can they do enough against an explosive Allen – Put up outscore an explosive Allen offense. I think Allen's going to put up points. Their offense is explosive enough where they're going to put up, you know, thirty to thirty-five points. The question is, can Geyer get to that forty to forty-two mark and, and pull away from Allen? And I think they, they, I think they get it done. I think Jackson Arnold has enough in the in the bag to get it done. And I think Geyer wins a close one, five to seven point ball game. But I like Geyer. Let me let me see if this is too cute by half. Uh, try this on for size. I think Allen has already played, or rather, I think that um, Geyer has already played a team like Allen um, when they played at Tascacita. Big right. offensive line. Mm-hmm. Uh, get what you need from the quarterback. They run the ball well uh, and things like that. And Geyer beat them, right? Like, I, 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 keep, I keep looking at this, and I think that this defense is the difference because – I'll just come out and say it. I have I still have major concerns about this Allen defense. Maybe I've just maybe I'm just you know, uh, but uh, maybe I'm just getting you know too caught up in in giving up thirty to Plano East and forty one to, to Atascacita, you know. But I think that ev- I think that they have faced explosive offenses 
and they've 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 kind of they've given up big plays, plain and simple. And and so I have to see them take on probably the most. Well, who I would say maybe the most complete offense that they faced. Uh, Atascacita may have something to say about that, but certainly on par with Atascacita, as we know from the head to head. I don't know. I I I think you mentioned that Allen's an underdog, and I think they are understandable underdogs. I think Geyer's legit, and I think that they are. I think that what they've got is 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 something serious. A lot of this, again, just to be a broken record like we were with one of the, with my last game. A lot of this comes down to whether or not they can make Jackson they can they can affect Jackson Arnold in the pocket. Because mm-hmm. um, if he's got time to dice him up, Allen's going to get diced up. Like that's just the name of the game. That's what's going to happen. Um, I'm really intrigued by this. I think it's a, I think it's a huge game. Obviously, I think that I, I think the district titles on the line here in District Five Six A. Obviously, they're going different different brackets, but we'll learn a lot. And if you want to talk about for Geyer, you get a win here, and let's start talking about the most complete resumes in the state. Right. Agree. At that point, I they'll mean, have wins over Atascacita, Denton Ryan, and Allen. And I'm, I'm not sure anyone in any classification in Texas will be able to uh, boast that kind of resume going into the playoffs. Really impressive. All right. That is your fourth pick. My fifth and final pick, Matthew. I'm a company man. In a game you can watch live for free on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, we are going to go to District... Is it 26-6A? Or 25-6A? Vandegrift. Uh, yeah, 25-6A. 25-6A as the unbeaten Austin Vandegrift Vipers take on the 5-1 Round Rock Cedar Ridge Raiders. And we probably, if you want to talk about teams that are just bobbing along, teams that like we haven't necessarily thought about in a while, um, may I present to you number 21 Austin Vandegrift, who has just clobbered everyone. Like, very quiet. They're, they're, they're if, one of the most quiet elite teams we we haven't talked about very much this year. If Drew Sanders cared about rankings, he w- might be furious with us. He'd be like, what do we have to do? Now, part of it is I don't think that their schedule, outside of beating Cedar Park in the opener, I don't think their schedule has necessarily been that tough. But they have gone out there and done what elite teams do to teams that are better. they're better than, which is just – pummel them uh quarterback Braden Buchanan has been very very strong they run the ball well uh with William Shepard they've got a number of big time playmakers most notably Reese Beauchamp on the outside but when you talk Vandegrift you talk defense and their defense has been straight up lights out like there's just not a whole lot more to say they have been excellent all year long they've get they're given up they've given up 69 points all year Matthew that's that's that's. I'd say that's pretty pretty solid. I would say that's pretty nice. Yeah. Um, so here, so here comes Cedar Ridge, and Cedar Ridge is five and one. Their one loss on the year is to the. They kind of got the receipts of uh, like if Vandegrift woke up Cedar Park uh, in week one, then it was Cedar Ridge who was on the receiving end of of, of the wake up call mm-hmm. in week two. Um, but look, they they have a really good win over Round Rock. That's a nice win. That's probably that's probably on par with 
uh, maybe not on par. That's a, a half step below what um, you know the, the the quality of win that Vandegrift has over Cedar Park. Um, but here, I'll be, I'll be honest. Uh, and they're by the way, their defense, Sam Robinson's defense, has been absolutely spectacular, uh, and that's the big reason why they're five and one. Their their defense has been very good. Uh, and and you know shows no sign of slowing down. They you know they they've, they've got a couple of shutouts under their belt. Uh, you know guys like Do- uh, Jackson Donahoe uh, and and Dominic Bolden have been excellent. I am officially a little bit concerned about their offense. Um, last week they beat Vista Ridge twenty five twenty one, and I know that district is always weird, always well, weird. It's very there's a there's a big middle in that district where everyone's kind of two through seven can beat anyone. The the margins are very slim in that district. But 25-21 over Vista Ridge has me spooked. And for Cedar Ridge, like plain and simple, I think that if Vandegrift gets to like 28, the game's over. Like that's where I'm at on it. Like Vista Ridge has to, has to, I'm sorry, Cedar Ridge has to, has to, has to keep this score low. If they don't, they're they're going to get run out of the building because I don't think that they can go score for score with Vandegrift, okay. and and that's the big question in this one. Of course, the reason you should tune in is because it's our DCTF watch along. Uh, it'll right. be myself, right. Ishmael Johnson, Ashley Pickle, and special in studio guests Frank Sandoval, the head coach at West Mesquite, and. R. Dodge, uh, the court, the coach at uh, South, former North Texas quarterback, and uh, I guess he is. Let me look up his LinkedIn. He is the head coach at South Lake Carroll, um, oh, so he'll be joining yeah. us. Yeah, yeah. so we're excited to have both those boys in, and finally some people who know something about football. You can listen, you can watch it free on on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and uh, we'll have a good time. So, uh, courtesy of our friends at Texan Live, you get to watch it. It'll be a good game. I think that. Now, now, Vandegrift still has to play Round Rock, but I would say that Vandegrift uh, should feel pretty good about winning the district if they win this game. Agreed. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at on it. Anyway, I'm taking Vandegrift and Cedar Ridge. What is your fifth and final pick, Matthew? I'm going to go out to East Texas for a big matchup at 9-4A Division One as the suddenly struggling Chapel Hill Bulldogs visit the Kilgore Bulldogs, who are five and one and unbeaten in district play. And I'll tell you what the uh, the red the red flags are flying up with Chapel Hill now. Back to back losses to Lindale and last week's loss to Palestine really is concerning when you look at what happened in that Chapel Hill game. the The Bulldogs dig themselves a twenty three to nothing hole. They make a change at quarterback, go with the freshman quarterback in Demetrius Brisbane who almost rallied them back from a 23 to nothing halftime deficit, but they fell late 30 to 27. And this two weeks in a row now, Chapel Hill has come out really slow out of the gates and had dug themselves big holes, and they've come away with losses. There's some changes going on at quarterback. I think Brisbane is going to be the guy going forward. And so you're putting a freshman out there in his first ever varsity start at RL St. John Stadium in Kilgore against a really good Kilgore squad. That gives me that gives me some pause for cause for concern for Jeff Reardon's ball club. Um, Kilgore was pretty pretty sharp after their bye week. They come out 46-26 win over Maybank. Uh, Demarion Van Zant throws for 274 yards and three touchdowns, and that's that's impressive because Kilgore is not a team that throws the ball very much. And if they can get their quarterback to throw for 274 yards, 
they're going to beat a lot of football teams in Class 4A Division One. That, that That's something that's really impressive. Uh, Dadrian Franklin was his top target, two touchdown receptions. Uh, David Ryder, 118 yards rushing and a touchdown for balance. Uh, this Kilgore team is playing their best football of the year right now, while Chapel Hill is probably playing their worst football of the year at the moment. So, yeah. Um, a little concerned, but this is the kind of game that I, I could be completely wrong. Because Chap- <clears throat> Chapel Hill is talented enough and good enough where if they've yeah. got their stuff together, they can go to Kilgore and beat Kilgore. But the two slow starts in a row just give me a lot of concern. So I like Kilgore to get this win. And, and if they get this win, we're looking at Chapel Hill, a team that a couple of weeks ago was ranked number four in the state of Texas, could be on the verge of missing the playoffs. Um. And by the way, you may be looking at that Kilgore and Maybank game and being like, oh, you know, they only won 46-26. This game was 32-6 at halftime. Um, I mean, they yeah. they that that got some that got some window dressing at the end. Kilgore's, actually, Kilgore's fascinating. It, Maybank's actually a little bit better than they have been in the past as well. They are. This is a this is a decent Maybank team. Yeah. Um, but and they they pummeled them. Kilgore, <clears throat> maybe, maybe it's just a matter of rounding into form, but they have the most whiplash like uh, week three and week four, I think I've ever seen, where they go and they they host Longview Pine Tree. That's a five A. It's a decent five A, and they lose by fifteen. And they lose by fifteen. And the next week they go to Gladewater and beat the brakes off the Bears. Like yeah. that's whiplash. And, um, of, and I think Gladewater they've got they've got their stuff together too. They have figured it out yeah. after two. After losing to Gilmer and Kilgore, they 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 beat Tatum. Then they beat they beat New Boston. Hey, but I told you I'm never I'm never buying on Atlanta again. I told yeah. you. I'm never, <laughs> oh, golly. Anyway, uh, that is our draft. Uh, Step took uh, or I took Winthorpe, Munster, Cal Allen, Miller, uh, Frisco, Dennison, Atascosa, C.E. King, and Vandegrift, Cedar Ridge. Step took Bridgeland, Side Park, Ryder and Cooper, Sealy, Belleville, Allen, Geyer, and Kilgore, Chapel Hill. We're only really missing like a, a real West Texas game. Although Lubbock Cooper is, you know, yeah, South Cooper, Plains. Yeah. yeah, but it's not a it's not a great week in the big country. It's not a great week in the Permian Basin. Um, as far as just the the the, the matchups. The marquee matchups, yeah. Right. All right. And now with his hipster game of the week is matched up. Gonna go down to the coastal bend, district sixteen four A division two for my hipster game this week as the six and oh do you know Ingleside was six and zero? This Hunter is Hamrick's literally squad. the first I'm hearing of it. Hunter Hamrick's squad is six and zero, three and zero in district play, taking on the Rockport Fulton Pirates, who are five and one and two and, and two and one. Uh, Rockport bounced back nicely after their late late loss to Senton last week, and pr- were pretty dominant in their win last week um, over Rio Hondo, sixty three twenty one, while Ingleside took down West Oso, thirty seven to twenty. Strength of schedule definitely favors Rockport here. and Common opponents favor Rockport here. I think Rockport gets the win, but this is going to be the real first. I think Ingleside is a playoff team this year, but I think this is going to be the first litmus test to see where the Mustangs stack up against one of the better teams in South Texas. So really interested to see how this one goes because, like I said, Ingleside's a very quiet 6-0 going into this game. Excellent pick. I actually looked at that and uh, and then uh, went a- away from it. Uh, but Matthew, I am also going to go 4A Division. Was that 4A Division 1 or 4A Division 2? Division 2. Well, I'm going 4A Division 2 as well. And I think I'm going to a neighboring district. All right. Matthew, let's go to District 15 4A Division 2. Okay. As. Let's also talk about a team. Did you know that was undefeated? 
Did you know that the Carrizo Springs Wildcats are 6-0? and I did because remember we talked about them earlier in the year when they I think they hadn't allowed like they allowed zero points in their first three yeah, games. Yeah, they they threw they threw four consecutive shutouts. Yeah, it was a four in a row. Okay, I, I knew that because I knew they were off to an incredible start. So I, I, it looks like they have finally allowed some points though. Shocking. And but they will travel to take on the fighting Brady Keens at Bandera. That's who is right. five and one, by the way? Our, our buddies, um, former DCTF intern Brady Keen, intern. is now assistant coach at Bandera. So, so Carrizo Springs last week beat Divine thirty-three to twenty-six for the first time since nineteen ninety-four. Huge win okay. for Carrizo. If if Coach Gonzalez hadn't won Coach of the Week already this year, he might have been up for Coach of the Week this week. Uh, it was they, they came up with a they, they scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Uh, in fact, I believe uh, yeah they scored with 39 seconds left to take the lead. Um, scored twice in the final six minutes to take the lead. And then they got a game ceiling interception. And Carrizo Springs is six and zero. Now they take on Bandera, who's five and one. And they well, let's talk a little bit about Carrizo Springs a little bit. They've got an outstanding. Uh, they've got an outstanding quarterback in Evan Castellanos, who stepped up in a big way. Uh, they run the ball pretty well with Christian De La Cruz and Austin Reyes. They are a their and, and their defense has been largely pretty darn good. I mean, even you know, even moving aside uh, the fact that they've given up some points, you know, after their their torrid start, you know, twenty four against Zapata and and twenty six against Divine, you can win that way. You can win there. Yeah. Going up against That's- Bandera. Five and one. Their loss in the year was in week one to Potite, which I think has aged pretty well. Potite's six and one. Yeah, Potite um, got a big. Potite beat Jordanton last week. Big win for them. Yeah, and and Bandera's defense has been excellent as well. And then they grinded out on the ground with with Brock Johnson and Tyler Moore on the ground. Um, for Bandera, they've got to keep this score low. They're not built to score a ton of points. Um, they've got to keep this score low. Um, I think this is this is fascinating. I, I still think that you know if you're Carrizo Springs, boy, when's the last time they won a district? Hold on a second. Um, been a while. It, it's probably been a while. My records show um, Carrizo Springs. The last time they won a district outright was 1997. Yep. Um, so if they win this game against Bandera. <laughs> With a win over Divine in your back pocket, still work to do, but they've got to feel really good about what they've got going. So Absolutely. I'm going to take Carrizo Springs and Bandera. So what's your schedule look like? So Thursday night, I will be at a big game in Dallas ISD as the Woodrow Wilson Wildcats take on the Brian Adams Cougars in a game that I think is probably going to be for second place in District 65A Division One over there at Forrester Field. So good one on Thursday night. Uh, I got a doubleheader Friday is w- in Wichita Falls. We have a doubleheader at Memorial Stadium. The 4 o'clock game is Wichita Falls, Hershey, and Springtown. And I'll t- Springtown, they could be looking at an 0-2 district start because they lost to Lake Worth last week in a real surprise. They got to take on a really good Hershey team who entered the state rankings this week at number 9 in 4A Division One. And then the, eight, the nightcap we already talked about is Lubbock Cooper and Wichita Falls Rider. Huge game there at Memorial Stadium in Wichita Falls. Uh, Saturday at 2 o'clock, I'll be at Trailer Stadium in Rosenberg in the Houston area as the Montgomery Lake Creek Lions take on the Lamar Consolidated Mustangs. This is basically a playoff elimination game. I think the winner of this game is still alive for the playoffs in District 10-4A Division 2, and I think the loser probably out of the playoff discussion at this point. Um, 
And then the nightcap, I'll be on the call on Texan Live with Chase Snyder as the Cy Ranch Mustangs take on the wow. Sidewoods Wildcats in a huge game in 16-6A. I think the other, obviously, Atascocita CE King is the big game in the Houston area Saturday night, but this is the other big game because this could be for Division One playoff seating in 16-6A. So, uh, and I'll be on the color. So tune in to Texan Live and listen to me on the color color commentary with Chase Snyder for that game Saturday night. Should be fun. Should be fun. I'll be on week. Valley Sports South. I'll be on Valley Sports Southwest. But of course, on Thursday, tune in the DCTF Watch Along, uh, where we will be uh, commenting on the Vandegrift versus Cedar Ridge game live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, uh, alongside Ishmael Johnson, Ashley Pickle, South Lake Carroll head coach Riley Dodge, and uh, West Mesquite coach Frank Sandoval will be joining us in studio, eating pizza and shooting the bull. It's going to be a lot of fun. So make sure you tune in for that. Uh, that's going to do for us. Thanks for spending a little bit of your day with us. And by a little bit, I mean, God almighty, dude, an hour 20. What did we do? We went a little long <sighs> this time. That's okay. No, it's fine. We like football. We don't care who knows. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Step, thanks for your courage. Thank you. See you next week on Tep and Step. <laughs>